Well, I guess before I get started, do we do disclaimers in this church? Better do a disclaimer. Now I know you're all seasoned vets at talking. And so, you know, you can get up and you can start to say something and, or you can prepare yourself the best you can. And then you get up in front of people and things may slip out. And you think, oh, later on you think, oh, maybe that wasn't a good idea. So I'm just putting a disclaimer in there. A lot of things are going to slip out this morning. And if they prod you or poke you, I'm doing my job. If you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, what time's lunch? Or, uh, gee, it's quite warm in here. Then obviously I'm not doing it properly. Okay, so that's the only disclaimer we get. So here we go. So if you've got your Bibles... Turn with me to a cool story that I've been reading about. And where am I? Genesis 25, and it's verses 29 to 34. Now I'm going to read out of the uh, English Standard Version. And that's only because that was the first one that came up on the iPad. And it's the story of Saul. Oh, sorry, Esau. Esau and Jacob. And Esau sells his birthright. Ooh. So it says here in verse 29. So it says, Once once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat. Some of the red stew, for I am exhausted. Jacob said, Sell me your birthright. Esau said, I am about to die of what so what of what use is my birthright to me? Jacob said, Swear to me now. So he sowed, uh, so he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Alrighty. That's about all the texts I've got. Rest is freestyle. <laughs> I know everyone that prepares thinks, oh no, here he goes. Birthright. So what is a birthright? So birthright is this. In the old days in, in where we get that story from, birthright had to do with two things. One was spiritual and one was the natural. So obviously we know the natural. The natural was everything that the father had would be transferred to the oldest son. So that was all the lands, the stock, everything. The second part was the spiritual side. So when God blessed Esau and Jacob's father, it was up to their dad to carry that blessing and to impart it onto the next generation. Esau was supposed to be that person in line on the birthright who would get it, manage it, or steward it, and then pass it on so that it would always be kept in their, in their family line. But it says there that Esau came home one day. So obviously it wasn't something that happened over a long time. It was just something that happened one day. He came home, and the first thing it says was he came home exhausted. So that's my first point I want to make this morning. We can easily sell our birthright in Christ when we're exhausted. Exhausted from what? Exhausted from doing things that 
seem good at the time. But actually, what it means is that we slowly start to move away from God and away from God and away from God. And to the point where we turn up one morning and we think, I used to be this, but now I'm this. How did I lose that and become this? It's very simple. Sometimes we just get too busy. And so the first thing is he was exhausted. The second thing it says is, oh, I hate it when those just shut down on you. Okay, so the second part is he says that, oh, but I'm dying. What is my birthright to me? When we're exhausted, the next phase that normally takes place is we become quite self-centered. Oh, is that a good word? Of course it is. We become very self-centered, so we, be, we manage ourselves and we manage what's important to us and we lose the big picture. And that's another way we can lose our birthright. The third thing it says down there was that after he had done the first two, the second thing was easy. And the second thing was, Jacob said, swear to me. That can come for us or here, that can come as, you gave me your word. And so because we're so tied up in a lot of things, we now can't get out of it to actually go back to the person we were, our birthright. Because we're so tied up in stuff, to walk away from that would mean that we would have to get courage. And we would have to say, actually, I made a lot of mistakes why I ended up here, and I need to now line myself back up here. And remember, we're on a faith to grow um, period here. And so part of faith to grow is that we need to challenge ourselves. But also it says in uh, the book of John, John 16, uh, verses 9 and 11, it says that uh, the Holy Spirit has come to convict us. Well, it says the world, but actually Holy Spirit is here. He moves amongst us and he convicts us, not condemns, convicts us. There's a difference between being condemned and being convicted. Condemnation means there's no way out. You've done wrong. Bad, 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 bad. Conviction of the Holy Spirit means he'll show you an area where we've gone off track, where we've allowed a lie to come in and we've started to believe and cultivate that lie. But he won't leave you there. He'll show you why he, how you got there and how to get out of it. Now that's conviction. So this morning, now that I've just put all of that out there, and please, if there's a Jacob in the house, this is not aimed at you. But the Word of God does say that the meaning of Jacob was deceiver. There was a deceiver in the garden. And he did the same thing. He stole their birthright. That was his plan. Steal the birthright. Adam was the first. But now we have Christ Did, Christ, did, did um, the deceiver try and deceive Christ to take the birthright? Absolutely. So how does that relate to all of us sitting here today? So now here's where I really start to freestyle. So I'm going to share some stuff. And this is a, my journey and how my birthright, when I got saved, almost got taken from me. So I guess people will call it a testimony. But I'm going to pull out only very specific ones here today. And I'm going to pull out the ones that I think 
for me personally, as a man, most men like to hide things. And, and especially if it has to do with your manlyhood, you're protected. But you know what? I'm like, man, I don't care about that stuff. Why? Because I've walked through it. I'm out the other side. I've got fruit to show for it. And this is all part of my faith to grow higher, wider, deeper. So here we go. So the first one. So when um, Lindley and I first met, Lindley's my wife. When we first met in university um, and hooked up and got married, I, I went to, we stayed up uh, Coromandel in a little town called Thames, and we lived on a nice lifestyle block, and we had everything going for us. She was a beginning teacher. I was, um, I was still in my last year of study, and then I went, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to have a break from study, and I, we're just going to lay our roots down there. So I got me a job, and the job I got was working in a sawmill. Now, in the sawmill, there's dust everywhere, there's sawdust, there's... I mean, dust on the ground, there's dust floating in the air in, in the big, uh, big sawmill. And when I was there, I suddenly noticed I had a condition. And the condition I had, I can't remember its medical name, but really all it was was every single person here, up in our nostril, we have like a wish, uh, uh, what do you call those things? Uh, chicken bone. What do you call those? Wishbones. So you have a wishbone. So we all have a wishbone up in our middle of our nose, and it separates out. And what that is for is that is to filter air in and out and dust. And so you get clean air in, and it filters it out, so it stops everything going. Because if you get too much dust in there, your nose clogs up. And when it clogs up, it hardens, and when it hardens, you can't breathe. That's one part of it. The second part of it, though, was because I was working in an environment where there was so much dust... It not only clogged my nose up, after a while, it would also have a smell. And so I didn't realize this because I'd never been in those environments. So I went in there. So, you know, I was Holy Ghost filled. I was out on the street ministering. I was doing all these things. I went to this place and suddenly this condition arose. And I was like, oh, no, what is this? It got that bad that... The guys, now I worked in a place where there was around 400, 400 um, men mainly in the sawmill, and we had a few women. But these guys went to our big boss, and they said, look, we like the guy, but the smell is, is not good. And so that left my boss in a really bad place, because then my boss had to address it. And so my boss comes to me, and my boss says, look, I don't know how to say this, but the men are saying that they, they like you, they just can't work with you. Now, I'm talking about birthright here. I'm talking about who I am in Christ, not the circumstances and situations I'm facing. Right then, that was enough. Well, the devil thought that was enough to shift me. Because all he was after was to get me to shift my focus off Christ and onto the problem, and onto the issue. If I would have done that, I would have lost my birthright in Christ. But instead, what I did was, when he pulled me into the office and he said that, and I sat there and I looked at him and I said, I hear you, I understand you. I said, would you like my resignation? He said, no. He said, what we will do as a company 
is, and I'd only been working there a month, and so I was entitled to nothing. He said, you know, what we'll do as a company is we're going to hook you up with the best medical care that the company can fund, and we're going to, you can go to the specialist, you can go to wherever, and the company will pay for it. What I didn't know was the guy that was sitting in front of me was a Christian, and he just happened to be one of our big bosses. What I also didn't know was the owners of the sawmill were Christians. And I didn't know this, so I'm sitting there saying, okay, what's best for you guys? Don't worry about me. What's best for you guys and the workers? So I ended up getting hooked up on this medical care. Then I went to, you know, and what they, pretty much what they did was there's 400 people, and then we had these little what we called silos. So silos were like where only one or two people worked. And we had big band saws, so one would be down and one would be down that end. And so really we didn't have any much, much contact at all. And so they'd put me at one end and the other guy would be at the other end and that's how I worked. So it took a while, but this is what happened. And this is what I'm talking about birthright. I would turn up to work and the deceiver would try and make me think that people were talking about me. I'd turn up and most people would all go that way and I'd have to go this way. But in amongst it all, there was a handful of guys out of 400, maybe about six guys, that purposely went out of their way for moving that way to come and see me just to say good morning and, oh, bro, how's it going? You know, ready for today? And that'd make me feel normal. Then I'd go and I'd work. And what I did was I chose to work as hard as I could, not because I wanted to. I chose to work as hard as I could because of what the company was doing for me. In that, so I'm working my way hard out, and in my mind, I can feel my birthright trying to be stolen. I could feel the deceiver telling me, you're no good. Look, look at all those guys, they don't even want to work with you. Man, you have a problem, and it ain't going to be fixed. Where's your God? Where is your God? Because you read the Bible, the Bible says he heals. The Bible says he delivers. The Bible says he does all of these things. He parted the sea. Now he's, now he's quoting. He's quoting word to me. And I'm standing there and I'm working and I can hear it happening in my mind. And I'm saying, that ain't the God I serve. That ain't the Jesus that pulled me out of that dark place. The one that pulled me out loves me. He has a plan for me. He has a purpose for me. And I had to keep telling myself that. Because if I never, I would have walked out and I would have given up. And I would have said, this is too hard. But I never. Here's the thing. I go to one specialist in Hamilton. He looks it up and he says, I have no idea what this is. He says, but I've got a plan. And that plan is to operate. So, of course, being none the wiser, I'm just flowing with Holy Spirit saying, yep, whatever. So he operates. Nothing happens. So he tells me, actually, you'll probably have to live with it for the rest of your life. So I walk out of there. I'm thinking, no, 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 that isn't my God. My God is the healer. He's the deliverer. I know these doctors are really good, but their knowledge is limited. But my God isn't. So I walk out of there. Lindley says to me, how are you feeling? I said, I feel all right, actually. Why? Because I'm contending. I'm contending with what the deceiver is trying to tell me and what the word of God says to me. So I finally get home. After that, all he says to me is, 
here's some spray. Just keep spraying and seeing if you can manage it. We figured out a better idea. I'm praying one day and Holy Spirit said, go for a swim in the ocean. And because we lived in Thames, it's only a two, three minute drive from our, our house. So I'd go down there and I swam and all of a sudden my, my nose would clear. So what I started to do to manage it was swim every single day, regardless, rain, hail or shine, in the ocean. Workmates would be driving past because they were heading up the coast. They'd see my car parked, they'd see me in the water, and they'd toot and I'd say, what a mad bugger that fellow is. <laughs> but I'm contending. I'm contending with, with what the deceiver is trying to tell me and what God has promised me. And I'm saying, you know what, I'm going to carry on doing stuff until Christ turns up. Because if I don't, then I've already given up my birthright. So I'm in the water, I'm swimming. Oh my goodness, sometimes the water was so cold. Woo! Don't go there, men. And anyway, yeah, it's a man joke. So it's freezing. So I did this for over a year. How long? Over a year. Every single day. Rain, hail, or shine. And then we're at a prayer group. See, because I never, I never stopped evangelizing. I never stopped serving in church. I never stopped going to a home group. I never stopped sharing at work to the boys. All I had to do was get smarter. So I'd go into the smoker's shed. And I wasn't a smoker. And it reeked of smoke. But there'd be like 20 of them sitting in this little shed. And they'd have their two barbecue tables and everyone squashed up and they're all puffing on their cigarettes. I'd go in there because I knew I was safe in there because all they could smell was their cigarette. But I'd be in there and I'd be sharing the gospel with them and telling them about Jesus. And then I'd head back out over to my workplace. Here's the beauty of the story. All of that stuff I was contending for the whole time. No one saw it. Why? Because I never showed anyone. I never showed anyone what was happening inside of me. All I did was I held on to the promise. And what I did was I went out and I brought a CD. Best blinking 10 bucks I spent in my life. But I tell you what, I brought a CD and it was the healing scriptures from Genesis right through to Revelation. Genesis to Revelation. And it was some, I've got to admit, some boring person reading in the book of Genesis. God said this. And then it would just go through. Well, what I did was I had a copy in my car. I had a copy at home. And I had a copy in the bedroom. And so no matter where I was, that was on 24-7. I'd go to sleep and I'd have my headphones on. And Lindley would be lying next to me just giving me the old, you know, the old shove. And I'd be just sitting there. So in the end I had to sort of move as far as I could just so that she couldn't hear it. But I'd have it. And I'd just sleep with it on. I'd wake up in the morning. That would be the first thing that would be on in my house. I'd go to work in my... Um, in my time where I would go to Smoko, I'd come out of Smoko and I would go straight to my car and I'd listen to it. And then the last five minutes, I'd be in that smoker's shed. But I listened to it for 10 minutes, smoker's shed, five minutes. At lunchtime, 25 minutes listening to it, five minutes in the smoker's shed, relentlessly. And here's the beauty. We're praying one night with this group of Christians in a home group. And then, one of, and then one lady turns around and says, my husband had really bad sinus and he went to this guy in Auckland. So they gave me this form. So I went up, I rang up the guy, I said, look, here I am, I'm going to come up and see you. I went up, a specialist in Auckland. 
I walk in, I sit down, I really have no hope in what he's going to say. And as soon as I sit down, he looks and he says, I know what that is. I thought, what? Are you kidding me? He said, we only know six cases in the world, so you'll be case number seven. But what I heard was, I know what it is. And as soon as I heard those words, I knew how to defeat it. And I said to him, can you write it down for me, please? And he said, of course I can. And he wrote it down, and I said, what do we do about it? He said, actually, there is no cure. And these were his exact words. Actually, most pharmacies don't even stock the stuff that would manage it for you because they've all moved into the modern-day medicine. He said, actually, these are one of those old remedies that uh, I know of a guy, a pharmacist, who could make up some concoctions. And as long as he's alive and in business, you can always get them. And so he wrote some script out with all of this herb and all of this stuff, and I had to take it down to this pharmacist who made me up these bottles. But here's the thing. I had it. I had the word. All I needed was the word because it said that everything, everything is under the name of Jesus. What I couldn't put under was what the name was. And so when I finally got there and I got the name, I walked home and Lindley said, oh, how are you feeling now? I said, man, I feel great. I know what it is now. And so I walked into my prayer room, well, my lounge. And then I, in case we all think I'm spiritual, I have a room. I walked into my lounge, I put it on the table, and I said, whatever that name says, I couldn't say it. I said, you're under the name of Jesus, and that's it. And I stood on it, ripped it up, and threw it in the bin. Here's what took place. Four weeks later, I carried on doing what I normally do. Then one morning I woke up, just after I'd done that, it was two days later I woke up and I felt Holy Spirit say, it's done. And I got up and I thought, ooh, it's done. And I never told Lindley. I'd stopped using all the stuff. I didn't go for a swim. I worked in the dustiest and dirtiest part of the sawmill because I really needed to know. After four weeks, I went to Lindley and I said, have you noticed any difference? She said, man, that stuff is working. I haven't noticed you in four weeks. That was my healing. wasn't only my healing. That was more not, you know, my healing was great. And, and I appreciated it. But what it taught me, it taught me, Actually, there was a deceiver, and he was after me, and he was after my birthright. He was after what I believed, because all he wanted to do was to take me off track. And if he took me off track, and I started looking at the 400 guys that walked past me, or if I started looking at, oh, this is what the people are saying, they don't want to work with you. If I started looking at, man, every time you get around people, they're going to smell you. If I started to think about that stuff, where would I be? I would have walked away from it, and I would have missed everything. And I don't want to encourage everyone here. Don't walk away. Stand your ground. Get involved. Don't pull out. You know, I used, you know, when I was at the hospital and working in adult mental health, one of the biggest, biggest triggers we used to see is isolation. As soon as someone could be going really well and then all of a sudden you turn up and they don't want to see you. Immediately that's an alarm bell. Why? Because there's something happening that is forcing them to Shut everyone out. Don't shut Christ out and don't shut each other out. Pull each other closer when you're in these times because that's when you're going to need them. 
You don't need them when you're celebrating. Heck, you need them when you're in that time of, I need help. That's when you need people. But the deceiver will come and the deceiver will say, if you expose yourself, people are going to talk about you. They're going to laugh about you. They're going to make you feel silly. They're going to do all of these things to you. That is the lie. Because the truth is, is Christ will never leave you nor forsake you. That's why we have Holy Spirit with us today. I know time's ticking, but I want to share one more. And this is a good this is a this is a goodie for me. So we get through that trial. It's like, woo! Now I'm starting to pump in the Lord, nothing gonna stop this moldy boy. And then Lindley says, Let's start a family, like, woo! Now we're talking my language. And all of a sudden, the brakes go on there. And this is what I mean. I'm ashamed to share this stuff. But here's the thing. That's because my birthright is worth more to me than people not knowing. And if it helps anyone here to hold on to your birthright or to strengthen you, awesome. But here's the one. Here's the biggie. And this is a male thing. Okay? So... Then he says, yes, we should start a family. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm in agreement. So, oh, well, so let's do this. So after, after about, oh, it might have been nine months, I think, of course, you know, she's like, hmm, nothing's really happening. And I'm like, oh, I wonder why that is. So, you know, we waited a little bit longer, and then she says, I think we should go to the doctor. Oh, worst nightmare of a man. I think we should go to the doctor. What for? What are you trying to say? It might be you, woman. It might not be me. How about you go and get yourself checked first? And then if nothing, if you come back clear then, then we'll talk about it again. But at least they will give me a bit of time to talk about it in my... So she goes, and then she comes back and she says, Oh, babe, I think you need to go. Oh, my goodness. The manlyhood mantle dropped off the mantle and smashed. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you are kidding me. I work at a sawmill. I was going to the gym. I just come out a whole life of doing some really bad things. And then she floors me with that and I'm like, yeah. And she's like, come on, babe. You know, this is our future. All of these lovely words to try and encourage me. All I'm thinking is, you stinking rotten test. I said, go back. It might be wrong. No. She says, no, come on. So I finally humble myself. And I know all the men here know what humble is. So we all kneel down. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful, beautiful trial you have put in front of me. Thank you, Lord, that all... I'm the main one in this household. No, I was sitting there thinking, are you kidding me? She goes, come on, you need to go. So finally I plucked up the courage and we ran the tests. And so I'm out working, I'm working away. And I'm thinking, and all I'm thinking, see, once again, I'm working away and the deceiver is in me again. But I already got my healing. But now he's on my case again, 100% going me the whole time. Man, it's going to be you. It's going to be, I'm telling you, it is going to be you. You are the problem. And I'm fighting off every thought. 
And then finally, we get the phone call. Yes, it's Dr. So-and-so. Could you please come in? So I was like, oh, okay, that's awesome. Slam the phone down. So, Lindy, we got to go. So I finally walk in. So by this time, I'm thinking, oh, here we go. This will just top off my whole year. And we walk in. We sit down. And the doctor looks at me. And he says, I'm really sorry, my man. Oh, those words just penetrated my heart. Humbled me. I thought I was humble. Oh, my God, that just humbled me. And this is what I want to share with you, for all you men out there. He turned around and he said, you have only 20%. I said, what the the heck does that mean? He said, well, most people have uh, 80 to 100%. I'm thinking, oh, 20, that's more than zero. (laughs) Cut it out, you lot. Of course I'm sitting there thinking, you, I could strangle you. I'm thinking, are those tests right? And so what he said to us was, he said, look, I'm sorry, but people who have had more than 20%, Struggled to have babies. And so he pretty much shook my hand and said, sorry, mate, to be the carer of bad news. I got up, I walked out of there, and it was the half cup full thing. You know, you can look at a half cup and think, oh, gee, my half cup is only half full. Where's all the rest going? But instead, I got out there and I was like, oh, I've got enough in my cup. (laughs) And so I walk out and Lindley's like, oh, babe, how do you feel? I'm the, oh, I feel pumped. 20% is 20%, more than 19. One short of 21. But I don't know, stuff you. Stuff the Lord here. My God who healed me <laughs> can give us children. So we go home and I said to Lindy, actually, this is a good thing. She's like, why is that? I said, because I know what God is doing. What's it? He's building me. Faith to grow. Higher, wider, deeper. Always remember that. Higher, wider, deeper. He's building me. Faith to grow. Faith to grow. So I'm going home and I'm on the, yes, yes, I know what to do now. I know what to do. She's like, okay. And then she goes, look, I'll support you in anything that you need me to support you in. So what do I do? I go straight back to the Word and I pick out scriptures. And I went straight to Genesis. That was the first scripture God gave me. And he said, what? Multiply. Take dominion. Be fruitful. Oh, they are powerful words to a man on his knees. Multiply. Fruitful. Oh, and so I'm just holding on to those, holding on to those. Here's the thing. Lindley's praying as well. And then she says, we're going to get pregnant at this time. And in the exact month, she said, she fell pregnant. Oh, I tell you, as a man on the floor, bars bouncing around. Take that, you suckers. Just like the rest of you, 400 men at that tall mill. Damn, can walk myself too. Strut it all out. But this is what God does. Everything was about my birthright and what I believed. 
Because when I became born again, Christ said that he came in and he made me a new person, a new creature. What I had to do was I had to shift all of that bad stuff out of me and keep the good stuff in front of me all the time. I want to tell you right now, this whole thing about faith to grow higher, wider, deeper, if you're facing a trial, don't give up. Don't even give him an inch. Yes, you can be battling in it, but don't separate yourself. Don't walk back, isolate, keep it in the dark. See, this is what I realized through my whole time. All the deceiver wanted me to do was keep it in the dark. I was lucky. I had a helpmate, Lindley, and I, I put it out in front of us. Then we had a couple of good people, really good people, that we had built good relationship with. We went to them and we put it out to them. They were connected to good people. They put it out to those people. Those people were connected to good people and put it out to more people. So while I was contending, I had a whole multitude of people all up the Coromandel and in Auckland and all over New Zealand praying for me. Why? Because I got the courage to step out and to ask for help. And then it all went out from there and it just multiplied everywhere across New Zealand. I stand there, I'm not ashamed. Why? Three kids later. Healed. Never be ashamed of the trials you're facing now. Get help. And I don't mean you need to get help from every, I won't even say names. Like Tom the Canary, in case there's Tom the Canaries in there. Sorry, didn't mean that. But just get help. Go to people you trust. Go to people that have walked through trials. Say, look, this is what I'm going through. I need help. Let them help because it's about your birthright. And remember, the birthright is two things one, it's natural, second one, it's spiritual. Don't get caught up in building a natural inheritance. It's good. But actually, if we have not taught our children or shared stories with our children about what Christ has done for us and how they can do it, then what have we left them? This is why it's important that you and I make our stand today. Make a stand. I don't know what you may be going through. I've just shared only two things I've gone through. And yes, it's easy for me to stand up here now and say it and know that I have the victory and know that I can line my three children up and say, yes, here they are. But it's not lining them up. Part of it is lining them up for you guys so that it can help you in your faith. But the real goal is seeing my three children and shoving it right back into the deceiver's face and saying, I remember when you tried to lie to me. I remember when you tried to rob me. I remember when you tried to take my birthright from me. Look at what God has done in my life. We should, be, we should have trophies all around us about what Christ has done in our life. Maybe we just need to open that door back up. Maybe we just need to dust off some of those trophies. Maybe we need to get around people and start sharing our testimonies again. And say, you know, this is what Christ has done for me. This is what Christ has done for me. This is what Christ has done for me. Because until you do that, they will remain in the dark and they will remain, remain dusted. I'm full of dust. And as Kate shared today, 59 suicides 
in the Hawke's Bay. I worked in that industry. We lost. I've worked there eight years. I can't even count the number of people we lost. The saddest point for me was one was even a fellow worker, a woman who was really good at her job. She was doing really well, helping a lot of people, and then her marriage fell apart. And she didn't know how to reach out. And as a team, we tried to reach in, and management stopped us. Long story short, it was only eight months later, and we got the news that this woman that I had worked for for seven years, seven good years, had taken her life. And I sat there and I thought, what could I have done differently? Did you hear that? What could I have done differently? I went back into self-pity mode, self-centered mode. The real question is, Lord, what did I miss? What opportunity wasn't I tuned into because I was too busy? I was too busy doing something, this. I was too busy doing that. I knew the situation was in front of me. What did I miss when I never engaged to? That was the question that I needed to ask, not what could I have done different. Why? Because the question, that question, Lord, what should I have done? Could I have done anything? Where did I miss the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is always giving us opportunities. So what made me miss that opportunity to talk to her? And then I realized, as soon as I asked that question, what could I have done? I recognized the voice that I had heard way back in the sawmill. I recognized the voice when I was sitting in the doctor's room. And that voice was the deceiver saying to me, you should have done something. You are supposed to have Christ in you. See, that was the deception. Right now, if you're sitting here and the deceiver is speaking, now I'm not saying that you need to put your hand up or identify yourself because he can speak to all of us. But I'm saying if he is speaking to you, you need to recognize what he is saying because God has a bigger bigger picture for everyone like what Bryden shared. God has a bigger picture. Don't get caught and meditate on that which is not him. So this morning, as we finish, the first thing I just want to offer to everyone here is if you have not claimed your birthright in Christ, what does that mean? If you have not asked him to come into your life and to help you, I want to give the opportunity for you today to do that. If it makes it easier, I will even come to you if it makes it easier even still, if you want to meet me down the back, I'm happy to do that. I won't get you to raise your hand this morning. I will just be there. You will either see me here or down the back. If you want to claim your birthright, come up after the service. The second one, is Holy Spirit can move amongst all of us and He does it all the time. If Holy Spirit has moved 
upon you this morning and raised something in your life, poked you, prodded you, then he's telling you, your birthright, it's in jeopardy. Just like Esau sold his, we sell ours. Now this shouldn't be a hard message. This should just be a message of realigning and looking at our lives and saying, actually, thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing me this. This is what I need to do and put it right. So if that's you this morning, I want you to go. Look, Holy Spirit knows everything. He knows what words to speak to you, when to speak to you, and how to speak to you. If he's spoken to you this morning, this is what I want to do. I don't want you to come up here now, but what I do want you to do is if he's spoken to you and your birthright is at critical to where it may be taken, I want you to come back tonight when we're in corporate prayer. And let's pray together. And let's reset our birthright. Let's get ourselves back in the middle. Christ-centered, Christ-focused, Holy Spirit-filled. We will all be here. So I want to leave that thought with you. Come. Holy Spirit has invested everything in you. It is His will for you to prosper, be in good health even as your soul prospers, to have testimonies of the kingdom, to be awesome ambassadors for Christ. Amen. So as the worship team just finished, let's all stand. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you for this morning. Lord, I just thank you for the honor and the privilege of standing before your people and just sharing your goodness in my life. Father, I just pray that you'd take the words that I shared this morning and that you'd sow them into the hearts of the people, that it would give them courage, Lord, not condemnation that it would bring conviction, Father God, conviction to make them change, to bring them into the fullness of who you are so that they have that revelation that our God is for us. And if our God is for us, nothing can stand against us. So Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for this morning. Father, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you will keep ministering to the people and each and every one of them. In the mighty name of Jesus.